podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Who's Place Whocast. I'm your host, Val Prohaska, and as always, I'm joined by Seattle Who. Of course, since he's actually the producer, I can't do this alone. So welcome, Seattle. It's good to have you aboard. Thank you. It's good to have you here, too. I mean, as the producer, I could do this alone, but it's really not nearly as much fun. And no. <laughs> when I try to record stuff alone, I find myself talking too fast, and I get winded, and I say everything I had to say in 15 minutes, so it's like, what? So it's, it's always well. We, to... we we promise to give everybody a longer uh, a longer podcast than than fifteen minutes. So yeah, because we have a lot to unpack. We do uh, have a lot to talk plate. about. Um, we'll set the stage. It's Friday night, so we're talking after two basketball games and before the football game. I guess they're playing tomorrow. I thought we weren't going to play Florida State because. Didn't they have to sit out 14 days after they had their whatever it was that caused the Clemson game to get canceled? But I guess we're playing, so. Yeah. Well, you know, it might be that they now have enough players. Uh, That could be. Some players were quarantining earlier. I mean, everybody's probably on a slightly different schedule, Uh, and they may may have gotten their requisite seven offensive linemen and, you know, one of three starting quarterbacks or, or whatever the NCAA minimums are to. To, to play if your team's only, you know, partly affected. So. Right. So I've been blithely going along all this time, assuming we didn't have, thinking we didn't have a game this week. And and then today, as you know, so being talked about, I was like, oh, I guess we are playing. Yeah. But well, unfortunately, welcome Charles to the, uh, the, the calendar of the pandemic. You know, yeah. it's uh, going to change daily. I will say I felt a little bit better finding out that Jawan Briggs transferred to Cincinnati and that he's from Cincinnati. I always, for some reason, I always thought he was from Florida. And when I heard that he transferred to Cincinnati, I was like, "Why the hell is he transferring to Cincinnati?" But then I learned that he's from Cincinnati. I was like, "Oh, well, that that's a totally different story. That makes sense, you know. Good, good for him. You know, good luck to him. Can definitely, definitely understand wanting to go home during these times. So." This is, you know, this is just a season yeah. unlike any other. Yeah. So it, uh, it, I'm not judging anybody based on, on what their motivations are. Yeah. And I mean, heck, we got, a, we got a waiver for Braxton Key to come back and play early, you know, two seasons ago because, you know, his grandfather was ill. Well, you know, I think it was his grandmother, but grand, yeah. Grandmother, yeah. Okay. Yeah, in uh, Virginia area. And, you know, Trey Murphy got his waiver and his family's from North Carolina. Uh, I think he's from Durham, I think. I don't know. But North Carolina, yeah, no, but, which is a lot closer to home than Houston, Texas. So That's right. And we're lucky to have him. He made a big difference on Wednesday. Didn't make nearly as much of a difference today. Uh, same could be said for Sam Hauser. Uh, it was, today was an interesting day. It's, it uh, and actually, before we talk about this game, I'd like to do a little something uh, and just kind of give some current Ken Palm ratings that 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 might, or not current. These are from these are the preseason ratings, and I'm going to read off. These are from before the first game. So we've got let's say Clemson forty, Miami of Florida forty one. 
Georgia Tech, 72. Notre Dame, 80. San Francisco, 83. Pittsburgh, 84. Boston College, 86. Wake Forest, 127. All right, so I want to pose a question to you. If we had just lost to Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Pitt, or Boston College about the same way we just did today, would we be freaking out? Well, yes. For me, you know, ACC games are, are what matter. And these are, you know, this is the preseason as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, you want to be ranked, and it's nicer to have won two games than to have sport them. But I don't really care about these games. I mean, it's going to be fun going up against Villanova. It's going to be fun going up against Michigan. It would have been great if we'd gone up against Florida today. But Well, no, it wouldn't have been great if we'd I, I gone up against Florida today. Well, no, we, we, needed, <laughs> we needed that. And who knows? Maybe we, would have, oh, man. maybe we would have fought something different. But I'm a child of the ACC. I want to see ACC games. Okay, the um, point is, you know, the, the point is not, it's not even anywhere – you're not getting anywhere close to the point that I was making with that. Would we be freaking out about this horrible loss, this god-awful upset? To Georgia Tech, yeah, I'd be upset. I mean, I was upset two years ago to North Carolina, I mean, NC State, you know. Um, yeah, it would it would bother me. I mean, I don't freak out. I mean, it, it's not... I guess uh, the point I'm know, trying to make game, to but... our... To our listeners, right? Is that, I know what you point know, you're San Francisco is not some 200 cool. level team. San Francisco actually right. is is a higher, you know, tier of Ranking team, team than, than of the UMBC. Sure. And you know, today's game reminded me a great deal of the UMBC game of San Francisco being the same kind of opponent where. They're putting five players out on the floor who can spread the floor, can drive it a little bit, and can shoot the three. And if they get hot, they can stretch you out, and they can really put tremendous pressure on your defense. And that's what they did. That's Then that team, they executed well. Their coach figured it figured it out. And, you know, once they got confidence, you know, they, they got hot. They hit like eight threes in a row at one point. Right. The other thing to to mention is that they're not your standard mid-major because they have, you know, these players who go up against Gonzaga twice a year. Right. So they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to say have stars in their eyes. I mean, this is, they're used to playing against one of the best basketball teams the last, well, last 20 years, I guess. I saw a... They never beat them as a top five, but yeah, they they play against them. But they're used to playing them. Right. So, and they know what it's going to take. Right. So, um, you know. And I think, you know, Wednesday night was a little bit of fool's gold for expectations of this game. Not so much from us, the way we beat Towson, but from learning that San Francisco Francisco lost to UMass Lowell. You're like, how could this team lose to UMass Lowell? They must not be any good. But the reality was, is, no, they just played as far below their level on Wednesday as we played below our putative level today and UMass right. Lowell probably brought more than than they brought their coach was very upset with that performance and he lit into them and they had their wake up moment in that game and I think this is probably our team's 
wake-up moment. We have a lot of new faces, a lot of new players that were out there on the floor. And I include, like, Justin McCoy in that and Caden Shedrick in that, guys who were here last year but, you know, really didn't play. Right. So let's start with the – let's go back and and start with the the Towson game because it's, you know, the – We'll get to the we'll get to Murphy and we'll get to Hauser, but obviously the most Im- intriguing notion for that game was Tony rolling out uh, a brand new offense. Yeah, I mean, we're basically playing five out, which we so mostly saw today. Also, what, why don't you tell us what five out is? Yeah, basically five out means that all five players are stationed out on a perimeter, and there's nobody, uh, you know, who's just say living in the lane area. There's nobody posting up. There's nobody who's, you know, staying around the lane, going from side to side, up and down the lane, like, which is unusual for us. You know, our base system is sides. And usually we've got two guys in that system. There are two players that are working the lane area. Now we play a variation of sides called lane wide, where one of the post players is working about, midway between the lane and the arc instead of right up on the lane. But you know, still you've got the two players in the post. And when we were when we do in the continuity ball screen offense, we generally will have like one post player, but it's kind of it's almost a five out also. But this was a different this is truly five players who are stationed along the arc and they take they kind of take turns flashing through the lane. They'll either one variation is, is the cut is down the lane from the top of the key, and then they'll kind of flare it. They they'll either um, fade to the the weak side corner, and somebody will, and then they kind of cycle around, or they'll come to the strong side to the ball side and kind of post up in that lane wide area about halfway between the lane and, and the arc and what we and then we are getting the ball to them in that area and they can either do a post move back their man down or uh, a lot of the players were curling and driving into the middle of the lane uh, from that side area and then the other place that the players will flash through the lane from is the corner along the baseline and I didn't notice like I was kind of breaking it down looking at it and I really didn't see any differentiation in roles amongst the five players it looked to me like all five players were doing all of the same things because I saw Jay Huff post up on that cut and make me I saw Sam Hauser post up in there I saw uh Thomas Wolde Tenside post up in there. I saw Casey Morsell get the ball in there. I saw Justin McCoy get the ball in there. I saw uh, Kihei Clark get the ball down there. And they each did different things, but I think the set is designed to get someone the ball in that area, matched up on his man with some room to operate, and then he has creativity to figure out how how he's going to beat his man. And I'm sure a lot of scouting has gone into this, and, you know, you're going to be matched up with him, and he's his weakness is this. So you try to do to do that, and 
Uh, I'm curious to see how how similar it is to Villanova because apparently, you know, Villanova used to be all dribble drive. Four out, one right. in dribble drive. And now they're running a five out lately. But they're, they were talking about it in, in Villanova's game the other night. They have all five players. They'll basically drive in near the lane and then turn their back to the basket and back someone down. So they're they're kind of doing a thing where everybody posts up. And, uh, you know, Colin Gillespie. You know, we saw we saw Kihei post up Ryan McMahon last year and score on him. Well, this is Colin Gillespie does this a lot for Villanova and Kihei. They tried it again today. He didn't. He had no success today. He had a little bit of success Wednesday, um, posting up. His, well, he didn't really post up. He's like gets the ball in the post, and he was one of the ones he would curl it into the lane, drive into the lane, and take a shot from the middle of the lane, and. He missed in the first half, made the shot in the second half on Wednesday. Today, he didn't have any success with it. So, this is a you know, so this is a brand new philosophy for a coach that we would probably or that I would consider to be maybe a little more traditional than normal than your average coach. Mm-hmm. So, to me, this is huge. I mean, this is you know, you just basically rewrite your entire playbook. Uh, ostensibly to take to the, take account of the fact that we have more guys who can slash to the basket. Uh, we talked about Hauser last week, you know, being more than just a, a distance shooter. You know, we've got Jabari Abdurrahim coming in. we got Murphy, who's playing, who's feeling better about this. You know, that was always going to be more self-game, was, was driving. And so, you know, to, to realize that we're, we're taking this um, this offense to reflect the talents that we've got is a little different than what I uh, what I've expected from Tony Bennett over the years. All right, so this is this is fascinating. Um, as just as I finished speaking and you started speaking, my mail program binged at me, and I got an email that came in. It's the hoop vision for this week from Jordan Sperber. And the tagline is, Virginia is using a D3 school's offense. Kansas is playing five guards. Wait, what? Yeah, so, okay. He wrote this after the San Francisco game. And apparently, San Francisco's offense is the point series straight out of the Princeton offense. And we, what we are playing, the new scheme is modeled after St. Joseph's College, a D3 school in Maine. During the 2018-19 season, St. Joseph's, with the help of an outside player development coach, Noah LaRoche, revamped their offense to a five-out, free-flowing read-and-react system. The season before, they averaged 73 points per game. With the new offense, they averaged 93 points per game. LaRoche has worked direct... All right. Coach Daniel broke down the X's and O's of the offense on his YouTube channel, and then LaRoche has worked directly with the Virginia staff to implement the system. Alright, so the good ball movement and cutting. So it it looks like the bad inefficient shots in the mid post. Yeah, what happened to Jay Huff?
free throws and offensive rebounds. All right, yeah. So, in 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 one sense, uh, I I really recommend everybody subscribe to this Hoop Vision email that that Jordan Sperber puts out every Friday, um, and and uh, it, it's free. He's got a, a paying subscription thing that um, that gives you even more, but this one is free, and, and you'll definitely learn from it. But anyway, what I've noticed that I think is is the same about this offense as the continuity ball screen offense and the sides offense is, is two principles are the same in all three of these offenses. One, it's their patterned movement systems. We keep doing the same thing over and over and over again until we get an advantage. And then the, the second one is they are they are read and react. That you're you work you're working patterns and then you're seeing how the defense re, responds to your patterns and then you make your decisions based off of that. And if the defense if they do this, they're gonna give you that and so you take that. Right. But now, and I don't, I think we're seeing so much of this offense now because it's, it is new and the players need practice with it and they're trying to learn it and he's trying to get practice with it. And I do not expect that we're going to go through the whole season not seeing any continuity ball screen. And seeing very little sides. I think we're going to see less of this in a few games. And more of those other offenses once they've kind of got this ironed out and down. Because it's rough. Right now it's rough. And their cuts, sure. they're, you know, their cuts, they're not, there's a lot of the time it's not sharp. And there's a lot of movement in there that's not purposeful. And so it... We looked today. We looked easy to guard, and I think the numbers would uh, would agree with you. We yeah. were easy to guard. You know, and I mean, like right on. now, I mean, Hauser were... had a three point shot blocked. You know, I mean that's yeah. rare for a big guy. You know, so mm-hmm. he was just bad today. Just like bad, and I noticed well, on Wednesday, you know. He's got issues in the defense, and you know right now. And and I, I predicted this from watching Braxton Key come in as a transfer and play the defense in his first year. And these guys that come in their first year and they make a lot of mistakes, and and Hauser's getting beat like a drum out there because this is all new to him, and you know he he's losing his man. And he's a smart player. He'll figure it out. But right now, you know, we were we were defending them okay until Huff went to the bench because, you know, Huff was erasing so many of these mistakes. And Caden Shedrick erased some mistakes too when when he was in there. He, he's actually looking pretty good in his limited minutes. And I'm starting to get optimistic about him. But um, But then Huff went to the bench and he stayed there. And he stayed there, and he stayed there, and he stayed there, and he stayed there, and I, I noticed it. And that's that's when that team went nuts because they were able to 
beat us on the perimeter and then get to the rim and convert at the rim. Whereas before they were beating us, but when they got to the rim, Huff was there. And so, you know, we were able to to shut them down enough times that we could go on our little runs. And, I, you know, I, I said to a friend of mine after the game that I think Tony was okay with losing this game. Not that he wanted to lose, but I think there were there were decisions that I saw that make sense to me if you're coaching strategically and you're thinking about what's going to work in January, February, and March. But that would make no sense if you're really trying to win this game. And Huff sitting on the bench was one of them. I think, I think, and this is pure speculation, but it's something that I would have done. I think Tony saw that, that Huff was fixing their mistakes. And he wanted to, he wanted to have those guys out there playing the defense without Huff there to fix, to erase their mistakes so that they, they would pay for their mistakes because they would have to work that much harder and pick up the really pick up the defense. And I think because one of the good things out of this game, a great thing out of this game, and why this game ultimately is going to benefit us is that now there's some really damn good video mm-hmm. for these guys to look at and to break down and to see because everybody's going to do try to do what they did. The, their offense is all over the place and. I mean, that's what teams try to do to us. They try to spread the floor and break us down off the dribble. That's, you know, that's what you want to do. And it seems like every game, every season, we'll have a game like this where a team, you know, they're hot and their their players get confidence and they, they have guys who are good at getting to the rim. I think of, you know, Boston College and Jay Heath is a good example of that from last year. Right. And then we eventually will – we pick up our defense, and then teams don't find it that easy to do that. So that's where I think this game is going to be great for this team. For that, and also for this is that come-to-Jesus moment. This is that hey, welcome to college basketball. This is what you have to bring every night, or you, or this is going to happen to you. If you don't bring this certain level of intensity and focus and execution and energy in your movements – this is going to happen to you. And it's a great lesson for a team that still is very young. Well, we are young. And, and as you said, you know, Shedrick's brand new. McCoy's brand new. I mean, he's not. I mean, he he played 104 minutes last year. But he's already played 40 in these first two games. Mm-hmm. And he was struggling on defense, too. I mean, the announcer pulled it off where, you know, he was showing towards the three and then got confused that it was TA's man and backed away from the guy and TA couldn't get there soon enough. And the guy just happily took a free three, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, that, he, uh, he, he had he that one other moment too. where he didn't know it was, um, where he did nothing. He did, he needed to either hedge or he needed to stay with his man and he wasn't sure. Right what he should do, and so he wound up doing nothing. In general, though, McCoy played played very well. In in, in general, right. he's been one of our better players in these first two games. But he did... Well, I, think so. I mean, he's, he's rewarded... Yeah, he's rewarded Bennett, you know, for, mm-hmm. for showing him, and he's he's been the energy guy that we all liked, and you and I talked about this last year several times, 
you know, as his minutes were drying up, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. why can't this guy get, you know, a four minute run because we liked his energy. Yeah. And we're seeing it now. Yeah. By the, he... by the same token, you know, all last year he took 13 shots. He's taken eight already. I love seeing him you take know, that he's... three. Uh, that was, to me, that well, was the <laughs> highlight of the game. And okay. I, I he, like that he took the he second it, one. Would you have liked that three? Huh? Because Shedrick took a three, and was like, oh, no, don't take it. Oh, you know, I liked that shot, too. It was a good shot. It. Okay. It was well, a good shot. Because, look, man, a shot isn't good or bad based on whether you make it or miss it. A shot is good or bad based on the decision. And that was a good decision from, from Shedrick to take that shot. He was out there. He had room. It was kicked out to him. It came out to him. He Unless he's not a very good three-point shooter. Well, you know. And, you know, it's we'll like Mamadi Diakite. Right? We we haven't seen him play. I in you know he didn't he wasn't shooting threes in high school, so we have no we have no video of it. But they say, I've heard he has a good shot. I've heard coming out of practice, he's a pretty good shooter. And I don't. I kind of don't care who you are if you're in that position on the floor. You've got to be trusted to take that shot because that is exactly the kind of shot we want people taking. The ball was down in the lane and it got kicked out to him or it got passed out to him and he was wide open. So the decision was good. And the same with the decision that that McCoy made on his first three. That That was the kind of shot you want a guy who's at that position on the floor to be able to take and he took it. And he made it. And the second one that he took, the one that he missed, I thought the decision was a good, you know, he was open, you know, but he was moving sideways and then put up a shot. That's a difficult shot. It's very difficult to be accurate when your momentum is moving sideways. So, again, the location, the context, all that good time to take a three, but maybe he needed to stop himself before, you know, putting up the shot, changes momentum. And he probably would have been a little more accurate with it. So who's impressed you the most over the two games? Over the two games, uh, I would have to say Reese Beekman. I think mm-hmm. he's been good in both games. He he was probably our best player today. He was definitely our most consistent offensive player. And we saw, I think we saw what what he brings to the team, and especially in the offense. He was the one guy who could attack the basket and make the shot. We had several other guys attacking the basket, but we looked like last year's team out there trying to put it in the basket. And it's it was like, awful. I mean, we were – I called it in the uh, the plus-minus. You know, we weren't slashing to the rim. We were lumbering in the lane. I mean, yeah, we, we were never like – got any separation, and we were getting bodied. I mean, it yeah. didn't matter whether it was Huff. It was McCoy. It was Morcel. It was Clark. It was it was No, Murphy. everybody. I mean, yeah, everybody. When they, went, when they went to the backboard – and they were taking contested shots with a body on them, and they weren't they weren't attacking the rim. They were kind of attacking the edge of the backboard. 
and so they're trying to shoot. (laughs) Oh man, yeah. Well, that sums up the game. Attacking the backboard. San Francisco was attacking the rim. We were attacking the edge of the backboard. Yeah. And I think some of those, some of those, you know, if we, if we went straight line drive, you know, like Trey Murphy, he starts out on the left side of the lane. And and drives and you know by the time he gets where he's putting up the shot, he he's like I said he's attacking the right side of the backboard. Right. There's really, you know, there's there's no need for that. Make your drive, cut your drive off, go attack the rim. Right. And that's you know you a couple of times. I mean, even Billis was like, there was a foul there. You know, you know McCoy McCoy should have tied the game. Because he did get fouled, and it wasn't called. But you know, that's that. And, and one of the few times we did attack the rim, but Beekman was the one right. guy attacking the rim, and he hit that that beautiful three from the corner. That I think that I think that was, I think I saw two times we we ran a ball screen, and that was one of them. We ran a ball screen. Right. Kige got in the lane and kicked it out to to Beekman, and Beekman hit the shot. And he was mostly good on defense. I mean, he's a freshman, but he had some good moments on defense. And well, as you said, it's it's, it's baby steps. You know, yeah, he's, he's learning what to do. I mean, he's 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 you know he's got a lot to learn. I mean, but they were calling him for some touch fouls. I mean, he had four yeah. fouls in twenty six minutes of play. I think. Well, he's got to learn to is, he's got to learn to not put two hands on the dribbler. Because sure. twice he got called for that, if, and and Bill's caught yeah. caught at one time. He said, "If you put two hands on on the on the dribbler, the ball handler, that's a, they're going to call that pretty much every time." Right. Okay, so who else is impressed over both games? Do you think uh, McCoy, who we talked about, um, Shedrick for the limits of his role. I like that he's gotten in there and he's had some good moments. And um, So it's good baby steps, like you said. It's baby steps for him that I think are going to pay off later. And I think he's I, – I think he, he has the ability to give us what Huff gives us defensively and what, you know, we've had other guys give us in past years, and that is a, a mistake eraser. He's a right. guy who can erase mistakes out there. And he's already doing it on a limited basis. So I like seeing him out there. I like seeing I like seeing him take that three. I like seeing his post move in the first game um, twice, even when he didn't make them. Because you know, we that's we need that out of him. We're gonna need that out of him, especially right. next year after Huff's gone. It's new Caden's gonna meet a man in there. Right. And let's see who else. Um, Walter well, Tensa, I, I saw. I liked what I saw part of the day today. He had his little stretch. Well, he, he didn't. He didn't play much. But no, he didn't. You know, the one thing that I've liked about him is that you know, of all the people who are attacking this paint, he's the one who's most likely to be. He's looking for the kickout. Mm-hmm. I, I guess if I was disappointed in something, it was the number of times we had drives. We weren't separating from our men. I, I know why, you know, in the case you're, you're talking about, 
why Murphy is, is back over by the backboard because he kept thinking he could get one more step mm-hmm. and he would separate from his man. And, and nobody is nobody today separated. Right. And well, the Sensei is not very fast and he's not going to separate from his man either, but he's taking, he's taking the ball in collapsing. And then he's the one who's doing most of the kickout damage. Yeah. Or you he know, can the, rise up that jumper. And, yeah. You know, if you're not going to get, and, if you're not going to get separation, you've got to, You've got to learn to do like uh, Brogdon and Ty Jerome were both great at doing, which is getting using being able to use that shoulder. You get that shoulder in into your defender, and then you use that to be able to leverage to get yourself the space for your shot. And you know these guys they need to be able to do that. But um, you know, trying to think of who else doesn't press me, I'm. Relatively pleased with with uh, Casey Morcel. I, I I think your your plus minus on him was dead wrong after the Towson game. Um, that guy for Towson was averaging nineteen points a game. Martin was way off his game, and Casey got beat a couple times. But uh, you know he was guarding their best player. So I, I and he actually okay. was not on the floor today. A lot of the time, the defense sucked. Also, I, he's done well, some. True. I mean, he only played about thirteen minutes. Yeah, today, he's done some good things on offense. Because, yeah, because most of that was in the in the first half, and then mm-hmm. he, he all sort of disappeared in the second half. Yeah, and I was just wondering. I mean, you know, Bennett's still you know tinkering with these lineups, and mm-hmm. I guess I wrote it down to tinkering. You know, when he had you know Statman in there <laughs> defending the post. Um, at one point, you know, Statman and Murphy were our two, you know, were our two bigs, and that seemed a little seemed a little strange to me. But well, he was trying. Um, he was trying to. He was trying to get foot speed on the floor to to handle their spread out offense because they, you know, they right. didn't have a big man. All five again. It's like UMBC. Their quote mm-hmm. big men are like you know six eight two hundred fifteen pound forwards who. Right. Can shoot the three and then drive off the off the pump fake when you when you close out on them and that's so he was trying to match up with with them and you know Murphy and Statman I mean Hauser wasn't you know, Hauser wasn't doing it yeah and if you know if Hauser's not hitting shots you we were getting nothing well, from him we got nothing. Yeah from him except for that stretch where he had almost all of his points. Right. The rest of the game. The thing for Hauser is it just looked like the ball, like he never ever got a good handle on the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it was just, it was like the ball was slippery for him. But it, you know, he lost just a number of balls and even when he was ready to go into his motion, you know, the ball just looked like he was re-grabbing it. So, I mean, there was something clearly weird going on with his hands because he was never getting a clean hold on the ball. So, you know, that, that added to his, you know, to his shooting woes. Yeah, we were but uh, mostly like a, a quarter step slow. We were just a little lethargic, a little sluggish, like they ate too much turkey on Thursday or something. Well, it could have been. And, you know, it's, you have to learn how to how to handle this. Wouldn't have thought that would have happened because, you know, San Francisco played three games. You know, this was their third game in third. Yeah, I expected them to fade down the stretch. Three games in three days. They were sluggish, and, yeah, we were the sluggish ones. Yeah. 
So, they, um, I mean, they look good. They look those the Shabazz and the Bouye. Those guys are are for real good players. They can, you know, no, they're no better than what we're going to run into in the ACC game in and game out. But they're certainly comparable to to some of the guards in the ACC, and they had a great game. And the right, forwards, you know, they shot the ball well, and we didn't. We we were terrible. Our offense was terrible, and a lot of it, you know, I. I I sincerely hope that Tony is laying in this new offense and that as we move in, as we start getting closer to the games that really count, we're going to start seeing more of the continuity ball screen because that's what I thought was going to be the foundation, the fundamental offense of this team because it just seems so fucking obvious with, you know, Jay Huff, who's good at shooting and attacking closeouts and... You know, as Sperber says in his email, one of the best ball screen rollers in the country. You know, when you've got one of the best ball screen rollers in the country and a good guard and now two-point guards, because Beekman's going to be very good at running the high ball screen too. I, I guarantee it. So when you've got guys that are that good at it, you don't not do it. You just don't. So oh, I really and, and, and that was weird. that's been weird to me because that role is part of the you know is a fundamental part of the five out offense you know because I, I, theoretically you know you're moving everybody out further you know you're moving your defenders out mm-hmm. further especially if you've got shooters as good as as Murphy and Hauser were you know Wednesday you would think that everybody's going to be just taking a step further to get out there there should be more space. And yet we didn't see Huff roll once, you know, out of the out of the high screen. I don't. Yeah, think. it was interesting. You know, we're running this five out five out offense, and I it didn't we didn't seem to have any space today. Did you notice it? No. It just it felt like we didn't have space. Like there wasn't space, and and we were easy to guard. And then on the but on the other end, we were all spread out, and they were able to find these driving lanes. We couldn't find any driving lanes, and I think a lot of those, like I talked about, the movement being purposeless. And the cuts not being hard, like guys, and you know, I really think that he's playing this the way he is because they need to learn it and they need to get experience with it. And I think it's going to be a good offense. And I, I guarantee you, we're going to—he's going to add twists to it as the season goes on. I think right now it's just a matter of of learning the basic pattern that they're learning sure. the basic yeah, pattern, and, and then. I think and, and we're going to see because yeah. it's very easy to put ball screens in this. And, like, you're right. They have, You can't run a five-out offense and just never use ball screens. That's idiotic. Then so, you're just passing it around the – then you're just passing it around the arc. Right. And your guys are taking turns going one-on-one. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, like everything, connecting on threes makes life easier. You know, we reverted back to, you know, last season getting scary, you know, scary nightmares. We shot two for nine from three in the first quarter, in the first half. And then we went one for three in the second to finish up three for 12. That was last year, <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, on Wednesday against Towson, we went 15 for 29. Did you think we were getting good shots, though? The shots that we missed, and I'm, not just the threes, but the, the shots that we missed – what percentage of those do you think did you think were like good shots? 
Well, okay. I don't think I, I can think of only one or two that were good inside the lane. I mean, I think they were all bad. I, I was unimpressed with anybody. I don't know. Maybe twenty percent of our our shots were were good shots. Yeah, uh, we weren't. We were. McCoy and Hauser had a couple of good ones inside the arc. You know, then there was you know there was Beekman's three and McCoy's three, which were both nice. And and other than that, I mean, it was. But like, uh, we weren't. I mean, I'm talking about of the shots that we missed because you always miss some good shots. Even if even if every yeah. shot you take is a good shot, you're going to miss half of them or forty percent of them. And but even of the sh- like. I felt like we weren't, we were having a, an impossible time trying to get good shots. That we were taking the kind of shots that we make other teams take. These contested, awkward, uh, you know, out of rhythm shots where we're just putting up a shot because you have to put up a shot. You have to do something. So somebody was just doing something. Yeah. Which so, I think a lot I mean, was I, I... us not knowing our offense, and a lot was. That team played well. They played good defense. They did, and we didn't help any, you know. So, um, you know, if, if you hit, five, you know, four more threes, they're spreading out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And you know, they they didn't they didn't have to they didn't have to cover the the, the three point line to the to the degree that you know we made Towson have to cover the three point line. And well, so Towson played poorly, us, and. Part of the problem with us not making threes was we we didn't get very many room and rhythm threes. No, they were pressing out on the perimeter, and we weren't able to we weren't able to make them pay for it. Right. So there were very few screens that were successful. Yeah. You know, and so that's one way you create the mismatch, and then they're chasing us. Right. We're not using Whereas ball screens. Before right they're just shielding us the whole time. Yeah, we're and, not using you know, ball screens. That's right all now. you have to do is shield people from the basket. That's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. So we never really pressured that defense today. And so you know, my, uh, I was talking to a friend, and I saw Zach Carey talking about it on Twitter. The the late game time clock management was puzzling. Why we weren't fouling a couple times? Why we didn't foul? Why did we like? There were, I just, I, I, that's another reason I, I think Tony was okay with losing that game. Because he sure didn't manage the clock at the end of the game like a coach who's, who's trying to extend the game and win it. Right. I mean, we still almost won. We still had a chance at the end, but, you know, we just, sure. and then we had chances but, you know, you- to foul a couple guys that, you know, may not have been good free throw shooters. And we didn't, you know, there was that one possession. We didn't go down. We were like walking the ball up and running so. And instead of getting it up like teams do and going right to the basket, go quick, get those two points, and then, you know, get another possession. It was puzzling. But, you know, sometimes... The coach is thinking strategically. He might have been just fine with losing that game because the lessons are more poignant. If you scratch it out, if you escape with the win, it's easier for players to think, oh, we just had a bad game. You know, and then the coach is yeah. trying to tell them 
how this isn't going to cut it, and they're kind of rolling their eyes, they're shifting their body weight, one or the other waiting for them to stop so they can get on to the next thing that they're going to do. But when you lose that game, it's a totally different attitude. Right. Well, if that was if if that was part of Bennett's thinking, then fine. You know, then that that makes a lot of sense. If it's just him freezing at the moment, you know, it's like, no, oh, that's not so good. But well, but let's be let's be positive here, and and I'll 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 buy your uh, I'll buy your rationale that that he was okay with that, and you know, or he again, was just disgusted he, with he, what he was seeing. Like he was more right. He was more focused on. Uh, what he was seeing and and the things that he didn't see and you know what he wanted to talk about and what you know what we need to figure out than he was actually thinking about you know the the focused in on the tactics of, of this late game situation because look we've seen him we've seen him in high pressure late game situations have you ever come away from a season thinking wow Tony's not very good in late game situations uh, I don't think that's his strength. Um, I, I don't, you know, there's lots of, lots of skill sets that go into being a really great coach, but I've never thought we were, when we're, when we have, when we're in a counting possessions kind of end game, we never seem to push it up back from Malcolm Brockton days, <laughs> you know, the same thing would happen. We, we, we bring the ball up really slowly. And I always kind of attributed that to, you know, the London Parentes, you know, influence, but we've. I mean, I can't think of any right off the bat, but there have been lots of times when I've wondered, like, why don't we move the ball up faster? <laughs> and we just don't traditionally. Um, so I don't know that late game is Tony's strength. All right, well, Which again, is, I'm kind of not getting the answer I'm expecting. It's kind of surprising because I know I've never come to the end of a season and, and thought, you know, while Tony isn't very good at late game situations that we, you know, we lost games in late game situations that we should have won. I no, I don't think he's the best in the game at it. Dean Smith was amazing at it. That was that was maybe Jeff Jones' biggest strength as a coach when he was at Virginia. He was great in those late game situations. That was his thing. Um, but Tony's certainly not, you know, not bad at it. And usually we do, you know. We hey we've you know we've made some pretty amazing comebacks where we fouled and we attacked the basket and you know we didn't waste time and you know yeah we always bring it up kind of slow but the point is that when we got it up there today we didn't go to the basket to try to get the quick two we kind of ran the sets and stuff and and you know usually we don't do that the guys you know they know. I mean, you think that that Louisville comeback and the Wake Forest comeback, those were two situations where we did everything right. We fouled, we extended the game, we went to the rim, we went for the two, we weren't trying, you know, we weren't going for the three, we were attacking the basket, getting the two, getting the extra possessions, and we didn't do that today. Yeah. So let me ask you the the question that, that I have is, do you think Beekman is negatively affecting Clark? No, who no. Has I had think a couple of rough games, but yeah, no. I think Clark you know, isn't focused. You got a ninety percent free throw shooter out there who missed two, and then he missed again later, didn't he? 
He missed one later. He missed his first three. No, no, he missed his no, he missed well, he missed his first three. No, he and missed two, he, and, then and then he hit, connected. and then he missed one later that we needed. So you know, when a ninety percent free throw shooter is getting up there and missing two, and then missing another one like that, he's not focused. And okay, so if he's not focused, what's causing that lack I, of focus? I don't know. I, who knows? Okay. I'm going to speculate that maybe. Well, that I'm maybe not going to after... speculate because we have no information. Who knows? All we know is he doesn't okay. look focused, and, and why he why he's. I mean, because there's sunspots. I mean, <laughs> that's the amount of information that we have of what's going through his head and what's going on in his life and 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 everything. We no, we no, we have no information upon which to base make any kind of intelligent spec. Even speculation for why he he doesn't look focused. We can say he doesn't look focused because that's what we can see. It could be anything. I don't know. Maybe okay. his hair is getting in his eyes. Well, I think he needs a haircut. But other than that, you know. So, so. I find it. I find his haircut. His his hair incredibly distracting because. He looks just like my son when he was like 15 years old running around there on a soccer field. He had the same kind of hair and it bounced around the same way and it had the similar build, you know, about the same size. And that, so I keep like, what's Brian doing playing, you know, basketball for Virginia? Oh, that's not him. That's Kihei. That's right. But yeah, Kihei's been disappointing. Sam, um, I'm not going to say disappointing because it's, uh, he, all right. I was disappointed in Sam's performance on offense today because, like you said, he was loose with the ball a couple of times. He, he made some extremely questionable decisions. He didn't seem, you know, he just, it, it, it wasn't the really the shooting. The, he just didn't really seem that locked in or like he really knew what he was doing in the offense, and his defense was just bad. Yeah. But his defense was bad Wednesday, too. But you didn't notice because he was automatic Sam. Right. But Well, you know, we've got, uh, so Bennett's got, uh, what, three days now? Next game's on mm-hmm. Tuesday. So he's got three games to, three days to, you know, go, you know, pull the video and... You know, and work with the guys. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't, I would not be displeased to see us come out in our next game with Reese Beekman as the starting point guard and Kihei sitting on the bench. That decision by our coach would not bother me in the least. Okay. Now, I don't, well, I don't know who else would be starting at guard with Beekman since none of them have really been impressive. Uh, I think Casey's probably done enough to earn that start. And Thomas did some good things today, but he's really struggling on defense. It is, he's just not, you know, fleet of foot out there. And sometimes it really shows. And he was working hard, very hard, but really having a lot of difficulty trying to stay in front of his man in both games and Statman really gave us nothing today. And so really of the guards, 
Beekman and I would say Marcel was the next best guard. I would be fine with with those two out there starting the next game. Once again, you know, it's the the great disappearing Jay Huff. Tony seems to be determined to run an offense that just neglects Jay Huff's strengths. Last year he wanted to make him a post player, and, and this year he's he's got him out there in the perimeter, but we're running this offense with no ball screens in it. So we've got one of the best ball screen big men in the country, and he's not setting any ball screen. Right. Okay. Well, so um, that's your prescription for uh, for our next game on Tuesday. And then who do we have to have up after that? I haven't actually looked, memorized the schedule yet. We have um... – Saint Whatever and Kent State, I think, are our new our two next games, aren't they? And then we go to Michigan uh, State, and then or they, Michigan, Michigan State so. comes to us. That's right, they're coming to us. That's yeah. Right. So <sighs> two more tune-up games before before the uh, before the big one. So we will keep you apprised uh, next. You know as how as how the week progresses and. Uh, well, as always, we'll be here to report and dissect uh, yeah, our, the games. Our next game is St. Francis, Pennsylvania, on the 1st, which is Tuesday. And then on Tuesday. the 4th, which is Friday, we play Kent State. The reason I can rattle off what day of the week those are is because we're deep into the move, getting my mom moved on the 1st. We have um, ah. – <laughs> We have one of the cherries coming to pick up a bunch of stuff, and then on the fourth is when the movers are coming. So, okay. and then the ninth will be in it will all be in Washington State, and that's when Michigan State is going to be in Charlottesville, and then William and Mary. First, the fourth, and ninth. There you go, mirroring your uh, the, the the big the big moments in yeah. your life, so or your mom's yeah. life certainly. So. so. And then I, I don't know if we, so, you and I have anything to say about football. No. There's a football game. No. The, the interesting thing is is I'm moving my parents. Uh, my parents are going into an assisted care facility, so that's what I'm doing this weekend is going and getting all the stuff they want to give me that I have no room for. Right. So um, I spent my, my turkey day cleaning out my garage so that I'd have room to put all their stuff. I'm going to go move them tomorrow and – so I, I won't be watching any football tomorrow. And again, like you said, I got the same news you did. I was thinking we weren't playing a football game against Florida State. So I just kind of put that on the back burner, not then I even stopped looking. So and look, we better beat Florida State. They're terrible this year. this year. Yes. They are terrible this year. So no excuses from the football team. We better win that game tomorrow. And yep. I actually agree with all of your positives and negatives from today's game. I disagreed with several oh, okay. of them from the last game, but this one I agree with everyone. Okay. Well, <laughs> there we go. All right. So signing off for this episode, and uh, we thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you uh, after two more games. I guess, yeah. We might be back in two days. Who knows? <laughs> Okay, well, that's uh, the word of our producer. So. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye, bye.